Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, everybody. It's great to have you back along for another episode of This Is Your Journey, brought to you by the team at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Well, AFL football is a game awash with emotion. One man's jubilation is another's devastation, big goals, big marks, big hits, and ultimately, high stakes. Today, we're catching up with a guy who captures all of that and more for a living, and it's a career based on a love of photography and a passion for our Indigenous football code. Michael Wilson is the Chief Photographer of the AFL, a Melbourne Press Club Gold Quill winner, multiple AFL Media Awards winner, and a creator of two published books. Michael, awesome to have you with us. Welcome along. Thanks, Sammy. Great to be here, mate. Thank you. What does the AFL's Chief Photographer do in the off-season? Because it's not like you're you're in pre-season training, or, or, or are you? No, well, there really is no off-season anymore, to be honest. Um, Yeah, we're pretty much in the middle of team photos at the moment, men's team photos. We've got uh, practice matches starting soon and, you know, opening round's not that far off either. So uh, once we're back into the weekend matches and the women's starts in uh, in September, we're we're pretty much shooting right through until the end of uh, November, start of December. So... Uh, that little bit of downtime, December through to January, February is, uh, yeah, team photos, player headshots. Uh, you've got things like the draft, mm. um, the draft combine. Um, there's all sorts of stuff happening. Um, there's never a dull moment. And to be honest, like, yeah, there really is no off season anymore. Now I remember the school photos like they were yesterday, sorting the tallest kid from the smallest kid. Now, do you say, say cheese to professional athletes when you line them up for the photo? <laughs> Uh, not usually. I just say everyone's smiling, but the big thing that I've got is, um, like you get 40, if we're talking about a men's team photo, you've got 45 grown men there trying to get their attention for, uh, for more than a minute can be challenging. Um, so I really have to get my school teacher voice on a bit of a whistle to get their attention. Last three frames I take, I just shout at them, do not blink because you'd be amazed how many photos we take where there's at least one player blinking in a frame. So I always kind of say, everyone looking up, smiling, on the count of three, don't blink. One, two, three, there's your photo. We, we live in what is a fascinating digital age, don't we? Like, well, I mean, video is available instantly and everywhere, no matter where we are, and it's quite often it's at our fingertips. But the still image endures like it always has. What feeling does it give you to know that, you know, your work lives on forever, that it's enshrined? You're right. Uh, the still image is, uh, it's, it's just a moment in time. It's, uh, it can tell a story. It can tell a thousand words, like the, the cliche there. It's, um, I guess it's just, it's that magical sort of moment capturing that, that still sort of, uh, image of, uh, it could be a story. It could be a, a precise, uh, incident in a match. It could be anything really, but you're right. It, a, a great image just endures. It, it sort of lingers in the memory. It's always there. 
Um, and yeah, it's, it's really magical when, when you do capture, uh, an image that, that sort of stands the test of time and, and communicates so much, it's, uh, it makes the job all, all the worthwhile. What's, what, what is the key? What's the non-negotiable to taking a good sports photograph? Oh, look, I think it's just capturing the moment. You know, if we're talking about shooting a, an AFL game, um, you know, usually there's, there's news stories, one or two news stories, injuries, a, a spectacular mark. There's something in every single game. Um, being able to remain focused, keep your concentration that, that whole hundred minutes and, and giving yourself the best chance to, to get that moment, a picture that will tell the story of the match is, uh, I guess that's the non-negotiable, just switching on being, uh, you know, being present the whole match and, and giving yourself the best opportunity to capture that one frame that tells the story of the game. Now, for all the amazing ones that you have taken uh, in your time, and we'll get to all of those, of course, later on in the show, I think we've spoken about this before, but how much of uh, what you do on game day, just coming back to footy games for a moment, is about being driven by the fear of missing the mark of the century or something similar? Yeah, there's, uh, <laughs> there's quite a, um, I don't know, most photographers will, will tell you that um, the fear of failure or the fear of not getting that moment is uh, is always back of mind, but... To be honest, there is a lot of luck involved. Mm. There's, um, there's so many obstacles that can come between you and the players during a match. You've got literally, literally, you've got umpires, you've got uh, <laughs> trainers, water carriers, uh, you've got bloody pigeons at the yeah, MCG seagulls. sometimes. Yeah. They've ruined many photos. Um, but it's about giving yourself the best chance to, to get those photos. So look, you know, we're, we're all human. I've missed big moments. Um, Probably the one that I've spoken about before is um, Jeremy Howe's mark over Tom McDonald, Queen's birthday, 2018, I think it was, on the MCC members' wing. 90 seconds before half-time, Vince buys some territory, and Jeremy Howe does what Howe does. It's just set up for Howe, though, isn't it? Here's that first one. That's just an incredible leap. Well, that's mark of the year, because not only did he get up, he then got the bounce and lift from the up. He got the shoulders and then the bounce up. Jeremy Howe, you're, you're an absolute freak machine. Incredible stuff. Um, I was, you guys will remember the market was one, mm. of the, one of the best ones of probably the last 10, 15 years. But um, yeah, it was the big freeze game. Um, it was, uh, we had the slide before the match, obviously. And I was, uh, I was busy on my laptop um, getting those uh, big slide pitches out to, to clients and um, just had my head in the laptop and remember hearing this, this massive roar and uh, I can't that, be good. That, that's your photographer's worst nightmare when you're not, <laughs> not looking at the match. And uh, I took a look up the, at the big screen, the replay, and you know it was a mark for the ages. And realised I didn't have a frame of it. Um, and you go to a pretty dark place for a little while. It's uh, yeah. you feel pretty flat that you've you've missed it. Fortunately, uh, my colleague Adam Trafford at the time was was in that pocket and got a great frame of it. So we were covered from an AFL photos perspective, which was great, but you know, selfishly, you always want to have your name next to those, those big, big marks, those big moments. And, I, and that was one I missed. Cause it is competitive, isn't it? Like when I mean, you got Harold Sunsnappers there, the age uh, from wherever uh, Getty images there all the time. So you've, you've, there's real competition there. There is competition. It's probably, you know, not as, uh, competitive as what it was when I first started. It's, uh, the industry's changed a little. Like, why is that? Do you think? Oh, look, there's less photographers shooting matches now, for sure. It's sort of, um, you know, things have moved to a, to a more of a um, uh, a news outlet model, like where you, so Getty Images are obviously a, you know a big player in the um, 
in the photo news world and, um, we've got a partnership with them now as well. So they're effectively our freelance arm and they also serve as news limited, uh, Fairfax and, and other so news everyone's outlets. just playing happy friends. Yeah. A little bit like, you know, obviously there's still, you know, four, five, six photographers at a match, but compared to when I started, you know, 15 years ago, you'd have, you know, 10, 12 photographers at a game, um, from all the outlets. Mm. Um, but it's kind of, it's sort of moved away and it's moved to more of an agency sort of, uh, model now, which in a way is, you know, the fact that there's less photographers shooting is, is a bit of a pity. Um, because yeah, at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, competitiveness aside, you still want to see the best pictures getting taken by whoever takes them. Um, you want to see, you know, the, the game being captured and, and those big moments being, being, um, documented photographically. So yeah, that, look, that's just the way it's, it's moved. All sort of, um, industries have kind of, um, sort of gone down that path mm. as well to some degree. So, uh, photography is no exception. Just coming back to those freakish moments, like those Jeremy Howe-like moments, you know, there's some real stress that comes with your line of work, perhaps because as a journalist, you know, the guys that are there on game day up in the box or even a commentator, there's an element of being able to, re- I don't know, retrieve things, if you like, whereas you only get one shot. Once once she's gone, she's gone. That's it. Once that moment's gone, it's gone. It's, uh, it is a high-pressure job in that, um, as you said, anything can happen at any moment and you've got to be ready for it. And once that's over, there's no getting it back. And, um, that's what I'm sort of, you know, what I was referring to earlier, just being switched on for the whole game to give yourself that best chance to get those moments. And, um, yeah, look, there's no, no way around it. Like it it is a high pressure job. And when you miss those moments, it is quite flattening. But, um, when you nail it, like it's a real high, like when you, when you get a great shot, an iconic sort of photo, um, there's, there's no better feeling. You get such a buzz and, and it's, you know, all those sort of stressful moments kind of make it all worthwhile. I definitely want to come back to that sort of feeling you get when you know one because thankfully you've nailed more than you, you've failed it. So for, for all the people listening this morning who, who might be driving along or sitting at home thinking this guy's got the best job in the world, he gets the best seat in the house, he gets paid to go to footy games and all the benefits that come with that. But on top of the stress of missing something, um, can we also declare, I'm sure, that you keep some of the most unsociable hours imaginable? It'd be physically demanding, I'd reckon, technically difficult as well, which you haven't even got to yet. And there would be an element of anticipation or a, a need to predict what could happen. So you need good footy sense too, I'd imagine. Yeah, totally. Um, you're right about this, the unsociable hours. And yeah, a lot of people do think it's a glamorous job. It really isn't. Uh, you know, a Friday night match, um, you know, you probably get to the game a couple of hours beforehand, 5pm or something like that. Uh, it's a late finish. The game won't finish till like quarter to 11. We're filing at the, at the ground until probably... I don't know, at least midnight, yeah. maybe 12.30, don't get home till 1am. Uh, you've got a 1pm game the next day, it's back into it, you know, like it's, um, it is relentless. The gear is heavy. You're, um, it's physically demanding in that, um, you know, we're sitting on the boundary, the posture that you've got to, you know, sort of deploy to hold the camera is not good. We're sort of, you know, twisting our bodies to, to file on our laptops. Those little cam chairs as well. I like, can't you get a big fat recliner down there as <laughs> a lazy boy. Or I'd something? love one. I'd love one. I'm <laughs> telling you. Um, but no, look, it, 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 it's not as glamorous as what people think. And, um, you know, this morning I had Essendon's team photo. It was a 6am start. Like, you know, it's, um, Ouch. it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not as glamorous as what people think. You're listening to This Is Your Journey. It's all thanks to Tobin Brothers. They're a family-owned business. They have been since 1934. So Michael Wilson's eye for the game. Well, it was sharpened on the country footy grounds of Victoria's Northwest. We're going to go back there after this. 
You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, great to have your company on This Is Your Journey, made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Michael Wilson, the AFL's chief photographer, is today's guest. All right, Michael, let's go back. Where was home as a kid? Well, I grew up in Swan Hill in the Mallee country, northwest of Victoria, Sammy. It's a small country town, I don't know, maybe 12,000 people. Uh, and yeah, like uh, like most rural uh, towns in Victoria, especially, you know, just the whole winter revolves around footy and that's where, um, you know, my passion for the game started. It's, uh, Lake Boga football club was where I played uh, all my football up there and played in a premiership with them in 2003. One of the greatest sporting (laughs) memories I have. And, um, where'd you play? Well, I was a, uh, a sort of a forward pockets (laughs) swapping (laughs) on ball, bit of a goal sneak, but I didn't snag any in the grand final, which is, uh, yeah, regrettable, but uh, yeah, we broke a 28 year drought in, um, in 2003 is one awesome. of the great days. And, um, yeah, just, I think, you know, having that sort of appreciation for the game harks back to, to those, um, early years at Lake Boga and, and just what, what the game means for small communities and, and the way it can bring, uh, people together. Yeah. Oh, when I think of these parts of the state, not to sound cheesy, but I just think of the great outdoors. Was it cricket in the summer for you, footy in the winter? L- yeah. A little bit of cricket. I was more a tennis player, um, got a an amazing uh, lawn tennis set in Swan Hills, like one of the biggest lawn um, tennis centres. in. serve volume? In, uh, I was more of a baseliner. Right. Uh, had a little bit of a kick serve going for a while. But, um, <laughs> no, it was, it was more tennis for me, but uh, footy was you know, just all, all I wanted to do in the winter, and, um, yeah, that was it for me. So what's your earliest VFL, AFL memory as a kid? Because you're a big Collingwood supporter. You are, you are a Collingwood supporter. Can I declare that? Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've put it out there. It's funny you mentioned Collingwood. One of my earliest VFL memories is actually playing – it's the Auskick halftime thing now, but it was called Little League. Back in, uh, yeah. I reckon it would have been 1987, and I um, I played for Collingwood in the Little League at halftime at Victoria Park. Can't remember who they were playing, but I uh, remember getting on the bus, Swan Hill that morning, four-hour drive to, to Melbourne. Uh, it was a huge deal, like so excited. Uh, ran out um, onto Victoria Park at halftime. You, you know, saw half the Collingwood team sort of going back to the race, um, down the race at halftime. You've seen these amazing, huge men. Um, and yeah, kicked a goal. I can remember it as clear as day, just, um, kicked a goal for the pies at halftime in the little league. And, and I think that was, um, that was one of my earliest VFL memories for sure. What about how photography intersected with your love of footy? When and how did that actually happen? I think I always had footy posters and I'd always cut the, uh, the photos out of the newspaper and stick them up on my wall, you know, right from a really young age, like, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, growing up. As you said, massive Collingwood supporter, so I'd scout the uh, the newspapers for any Collingwood photos, put them up on uh, put them up up on the wall. In 1990, when they won the premiership, I remember um, almost had a shrine of photos on on my wall. <laughs> Just got every single newspaper I could find and cut out the photos. And um, you know, colour photography and newspapers were sort of coming in then, so it was uh, got me even more excited about having these these amazing pictures on my wall. And, and I think that's kind of where the spark sort of started with it. Um, 
I can also remember the 1990 grand final taped it on the old VCR and I remember yeah. like watching replays of it and I'd pause, pause the, um, the play at, you know, like a key moment, like during a marking contest. And then I'd take a photo of the TV screen with my camera just, um, and I think, you know, it's funny, I was only 12 or 13 when they won that premiership, but, um, yeah, right from that early age, I just, it's I in the blood. Re- yeah, I can remember doing those sort of quirky little things that were related to photography. And, you know, I think that was, that was the path I was on. That's amazing. That's instinctive, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, first camera, I'll still remember my first camera, a manual Kodak sort of with the <laughs> red, I reckon it was fire engine red out of the winding arm or whatever for the film. So what was your first? First camera was a Pentax K1000, which I've still got. And funny enough, I actually um, dusted it off and used it at the Western Bulldogs team photo a couple of years ago for some portraits. And um, I was, yeah, amazed at the uh, the results. Uh, you can't beat film. There's just, you can have every digital filter in the world, but you can't replicate that um, that film feel. And um, yeah, that was my first, first camera, the Pentax K1000 um, and the Ilford FP4 Plus film, the black and white film was, um, was the go-to and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's where it started. So as your career evolves or you get into your teenage years and then your twenties, I suppose there'll be people out there and there are who are wondering what to do with their careers or maybe you're already embarking in a particular direction and they're unhappy with their careers and wondering what to do. You initially went down a different path. Am I right in saying? I did. I, uh, I actually, uh, did a graphic design degree for three years, which is kind of closely related to mm. photography. Photography was one of our core subjects as part of the design degree, but, um, I actually am a qualified graphic designer and worked in design for six or seven years before I, I transitioned into photography. So, um, look, to be honest, I'm not a massive advocate for going to photography schools or courses or anything, that kind of thing. I think you can learn, um, the basics on YouTube of photography, your, your ISO, your F-stop and, and your shutter speed and, and just get out there and take photos. Save a bit of money as well. (laughs) Save a bit of money. It's just about building up a folio, teaching yourself the skills, networking. And yeah, there's no shortcut to it. It's, um, everyone's got their own path as well, but, but that was kind of, uh, how I sort of got into it. So you're doing graphic design. So when and how did you bite the bullet and jump over, you know, behind the lens full time? Yeah. So it was 2005 and literally, like you just mentioned, I just, I, was getting sort of stale in the design industry and, and just wanted to sort of focus on photography. So bit the bullet, bought a whole heap of gear, a long lens, um, and went and actually just started shooting like VFL games and AFL training sessions, that kind of thing. And my big break actually came, uh, it was at the start of 2005. I shot an Essendon intra-club match. Just um, went along as a punter. Just went along as a yep. punter. Yep. And, uh, yeah, just emailed the pictures into the club and, uh, just, you know, introduced myself, said, my name's Michael Wilson. These are the photos I took of your intra club today. Feel free to use them on your website and, um, so forth. And they got back to me straight away saying, these are great. Can you come next week and shoot next week's intra club, which I did. And, um, at that intra club the next week, I met Simon Matthews, who you'd probably know. Um, mm-hmm. he was Essendon's media manager at the time and, um, yeah, sort of had a bit of a, bit of a chat to him. And, um, he actually offered me their photographer's pass for that season, the 2005 season. And that was my big break. That was, uh, that was my ticket to, to shoot the elite game. Um, it was a great way of meeting the other photographers that were shooting at the time. Uh, great to, um, a great way to get feedback from other, other photographers and so forth, getting to know players and, and how clubs work and that sort of thing. And then, um, yeah, after a year of shooting with Essendon, I started freelancing with Getty Images, um, shooting AFL matches. And then 2007, 
the AFL took their photo arm um, in-house as part of Slattery Media, which um, yep. you probably know as well. And, um, yeah, full-time position was was offered to me in um, 2007. And I've, that's, yeah, that that's pretty much... Um, that's my story, how I got to where I am. That's um, So you just got to get out there, get the gear, get out there. And I often wonder, I mean, I wonder if that could happen now. Obviously, the world's a different place and every club's got big media arms themselves now. But clearly, the the lesson is get out there, don't be shy, take yep. some photos, get some experience and I, try to get your stuff published. Totally. I think it's just about being proactive and and just, yeah, getting your work out there. And, like, it's also about creating a, a folio that's sort of different from, you know, the mainstream sort of photos that we see. So it's, you know, being creative with angles, different ways of shooting, slow shutter speeds, you know, shooting from um, a high level, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, just something that sort of separates your work from from all the other stuff. And, um, you know, a great attitude and, and an ability to work hard goes a long way as well. We're with award-winning AFL photographer Michael Wilson on This Is Your Journey. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We're going to get to AFL game day uh, with Michael and everything it entails after this break. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. Today's guest plays a very important role in Australian sport. He captures the heroic acts that wow us. It's AFL photographer Michael Wilson. So, Michael, game day itself in the AFL or AFLW, how do you decide where to sit? Do you have a pet spot or is it like fishing? Does it depend on the conditions? Do you not tell anyone where you're going to sit? Uh, I do have a pet spot. Uh, If we're talking about a match at the MCG, my pet spot is – Shane Warne stand side, punt road end, around the 50-metre line. Especially on a sunny day, that's where you get your best light, where the sun is behind the players. So what you're actually getting is like a nice sort of rim lighting around the players and you're not battling really harsh shadows on their faces. So for me, that's that's uh, the best spot to shoot from at the MCG. Um, yeah, uh, there's other sort of factors that come into it. Like we get a, a photographic brief for each match. So, you know, there might be some request to shoot some signage from, let's say the Rebel uh, Gold Square signage that needs to be shot from level three, the um, Shane Warne mm. stand. So, you know, I might position myself up there for a quarter and get that shot and then shoot editorially for the for the rest of the quarter. So there's a few factors that come into it. But, um, you know, generally I like to position myself at, at one end of the ground around the 50 metre arc. I don't move around too much during a game generally tend to stay in the one spot and, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Do the other guys move around? Not really. I I think, um, you know, if, if there's a match where, uh, it's very lopsided and, you know, say, um, there's a team that's winning by 10 goals, you'd probably move to the end where the the winning team are kicking to get those celebration shots in the last quarter. But yeah, generally if, especially if there's two of you working the match, like there usually is for, for AFL photos, you kind of have someone at one end, one at the other. So there's no real need to move, if you know what I mean. Have you been collateral damage before? How many times have you been bowled <laughs> over by a player? Because you're remarkably close there yeah. at times. <laughs> I've had a couple of really close calls, but yeah, I've, I've been one of lucky. the lucky ones. Just about everyone else is, um, has cop one. I can remember Michael Klein like, got a blood nose from Alex Fasolo like four or five years ago <laughs> or maybe even longer. Um, and some guys are really like the cameras well, have been snapped in half. If you've and, got the equipment right up against the beak. Well, yeah, there's that. And, um, 
Yeah, it's funny. Like the Buddy Franklin 1000 match, um, one of the photographers had his lens stood on by one of the members of the crowd as, as they were marching out, literally snapped it in half. So look, there's risks, there's dangers, but oh, yeah, I touch wood. I haven't ever been properly cleaned up yet. So you're out there. Let's use the MCG as an example, as you say. You're out there, you're on the 50, it's a Saturday afternoon, there's 36 players running around. Do you gravitate to the superstars? You know, when you're in their vicinity, does your awareness heighten or are you just going in with a completely blank canvas? Oh, I think... Before the match, you sort of got your, your wares about, you know, any high flyers, really. They're, they're the ones that you yeah. kind of, you, you're really aware of, like your Shea Boltons, Jeremy Howes, those kind of players. Um, but when you're sort of actually shooting the match, you're just in the moment, pretty much contest to contest. You might have a little bit of an awareness, like say, you know, if Marcus Bontempelli's had 12 kicks in the first quarter already and, you know, there's another one sort of thing, you, you're sort of honing in on him a little bit, but um yeah, it's, it really is just sort of moment by moment, play by play, and just being aware and capturing what's sort of unfolding in front of you. Yeah. Technology's changing media all the time, or changing every industry all the time. How much has it changed photography, even in your time since 2005, let's say, yep. um, and is it forever changing it? It is. Um, you know, digital's sort of been with us now for, oh, you know, the start of the 2000s, really. So that was a game changer, obviously, not um, not having to get film developed in those crazy times when you'd have people picking up your film and racing it back to the darkroom and all that sort of stuff. I sort of, yeah, I, I came in with digital. But um, it's funny, um, you know, the cameras are obviously, the technology's getting better, the, the resolution's getting higher, the ability to handle uh, low light's getting um, you know, unbelievable. But um, there's also like new technology now called mirrorless cameras, which um, basically they, they, they're like, a, they don't have a shutter as such, a, mecha- a mechanical shutter. So what's, um, what that allows you to do is capture so many more frames per second. So, um, you know, with a, a digital SLR, with a shutter, you'd be, you know, maybe 12 frames per second with these mirrorless cameras, we're getting like 30 to 32 sort of frames per second. So, it's as far as like getting a sequence, you're getting so many more frames to choose from. It's also adding to our editing time, but, um, yeah, mirrorless is the next sort of wave of, of technology that's coming through with, with cameras. And, um, yeah, like the, the other advantage of mirrorless is, you know, the, the autofocus is so much more accurate. Um, the eye, you can, yeah, there's eye detection now that, that sort of, you know, can sense where a player's eye is and sort of track that eye. It's, um, there's, yeah, there's sort of new tech coming into it all the time. And, um, yeah, it takes a little while to adapt to it all, but, um, you've just got to embrace it and and move with it and use it to your advantage. Yeah, you'd have to, no Mm. choice. So you get left behind. So what does one of those mirrorless jobs set you back at Ted's? Do you reckon retail? (laughs) Uh, they're about, uh, like the Canon R3 is, is the mirrorless camera at the moment that we're using and they're, they're about $8,000. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, Technology, I know we've spoken about this on SEN in the past, but the Carlton Sydney elimination final last year and that, that crucial touch ball from from Blake Agus as it turned out to be in the, the Sydney on the Sydney goal line, you were able to capture that, but you captured it from the other end of the ground. Now, how are you able to do that? And tell us about the remote control setup you got. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, that that particular shot of Blake Akers was taken with a, a – a camera that was set up behind the goals, behind the goal umpire, essentially underneath the LED signage, and uh, attached to that is a what's called a trigger, like a little remote trigger. Um, and I can fire that trigger from down the field with with its um, with it with a, another trigger that's compatible with it. So essentially, what we're doing is um, uh, yeah, firing the camera remotely via a foot pedal. So the trigger that I have with me is fired by a foot pedal. And then it sends a signal to 
an instantaneous signal to the, the camera behind the goals. So we're talking fire. a couple of hundred, 250 metres. Uh, well, that particular acres one, I wasn't completely at the other end of the grounds, probably maybe 60 or 70 metres away from it. Um, but if I, I still could have fired it from the other end of the ground if I wanted to. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just about setting that camera up behind the goals before the game. Um, and then just making sure you fire, you, you hit the foot pedal at the right time. And yeah, got lucky with that one where, you know, I got the exact moment where it's actually hitting his, his finger and, um, yeah, it, it's like, uh, like it's not new technology, you know, mm. there's been remote cameras behind soccer goals for years and yep. years, but, um, it's probably, a an avenue that hasn't been explored too much at, at AFL level. And, you know, I had to get the green light from, um, the AFL match team and, and a few others. And, um, there's a few sort of hoops to jump through to, to get it ticked off. But, um, once it was, yeah, it's, it, it's an amazing vantage point. One we don't see too often in our game. Jeez. And didn't it pay off? Yeah, got, you take it. Yeah. Like I said, got lucky with that one, but you take them when they come, mate. So I don't know how many frames you'd snap off per game, obviously several hundred at, at a minimum. Um, what, what sort of, and, and you're binning a lot of those, of course. So what sort of rush, if that's even the word, does it give you when you absolutely flush one? Like you're going through and you think, oh my Lord, I've absolutely nailed this. Or would you describe the feeling differently? No, it is a rush. It's a high. It's uh, it's quite addictive. You're, you're after the yeah. next one as soon as you get it. Um, you know, especially the high marks, you know, if there's a, a classic mark and you've got a, a great angle on it, you've got no obstruction in front of you. It's nice and you know, flush in the frame. Uh you know, before you even look at the back of the camera that you've nailed it, like you, you can just, you can just tell. And, um, there's no better feeling to be honest. And you can't get that picture out quick enough. It's, um, you want the world to see it. Um, and it's just, you know, it, it's the, a great aspect. If we're talking about a high mark, it's the greatest aspect of our game to, yeah. to get a great picture of it. A classic specky as such is, um, you just want to share it with the world. Yep. So how many players contact you for picks? And you've got a big social media presence. How many, how many players contact you for picks for their Insta feeds. Have I seen a bit of your work on Nick Dacos's Insta? Nick Dacos, the Dacos boys. Yep. I'd hate to see Both. their camera rolls. Right. <laughs> They're pretty quick on the, uh, on the text, the boys to, uh, just, uh, yeah, just get the latest pictures. Um, oh, look, you know, I, I do get hit up quite a bit, a few DMs here and there. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's part of, I'm always happy to help the yeah. players out, you know. They're, They're good with giving you credit? Uh, most of the time. Yeah, yeah. I would say. And, um. If they don't, uh, another photographer will usually pick them up and say, hey, this was taken by such and such. Yeah. Um, but uh, now, nah, look, the players put on the big show, you know, it's uh, to give them a few pictures. Is, it's, you know, it's all part of it. Oh, it's fun. Yeah. Um, now, that's the action photo. What about away from the field in other settings? Because I'd imagine, you know, there's an element, probably a big element of trust required. Like they're putting trust in you. How is that earned? Has it been earned over time? And obviously you'd like to think you've got it after all your years in the industry. Yeah, it's definitely earned. It's, um, I think back in 2014, 2015, I was invited by the Hawks to, to shoot their, um, grand final weeks in a sanctum at the, out at Waverley and, um, had access all areas. And, um, yeah, I think it's just about just being, uh, you know, a decent sort of person knowing when to shoot, when not to, and just having that sort of awareness as to when there should be um, you know, a bit of space for the players and, and staff and that yep. sort of thing. So I think, you know, you're in the industry long enough, you get to know people, you, you know, they, they sort of know how you operate and that level of trust kind of builds once you, um, you know, you do, you shoot a job for someone and you do a good job of it and they know that they can trust you. And then it just sort of grows from there and, you know, you get a reputation and, um, I guess essentially it just comes down to being a, a good operator and, and having common sense and just, and having your awareness as to, 
you know, when to shoot and when not to. Yeah, so just on game day, in the change rooms and such, that balance, like that, that I yeah. imagine there's an urge to get the shot versus the fact, you know, you can invade someone's personal space. So you're always wrestling with that. Totally. Um, one example, I can remember the preliminary final last year, Collingwood Giants. defeated Giants, yeah. Um, obviously the Collingwood boys in the rooms after the game, ecstatic, and uh, Peter Moore, we'll sort of keep an eye on Peter Moore going over to Darcy and um, – yeah, I remember going over there. They they embraced and we got a few pictures and you could just tell Darcy is like, you know, just wanted some space. And so we all just backed off and that's why he just sort of put his hand out and, you know, we got our picture. He gets his, his time with his dad and yeah. everyone wins. It's, it's about reading those signals. Whereas, you know, maybe years ago someone would have just gone that little extra step and sort of wanted to get that that extra photo and, and probably would have deteriorated a relationship. I think now, you know, we're all on the same page. We're not out to exploit any players or anything like that. So, look, um, that's just the way it works. It's about being responsible and, and being respectful and, and knowing your place. Given the access that you have or are given and you've earned over time, have you ever been? Have you ever got a photo that you've been pressured to destroy or not use or not expose? Uh not pressured, but my own conscience, yes. I've taken pictures which um, I've wrestled with whether they should see the light of day. Um, oh, through no involvement from the club or player themselves, just, um, on, just on you? Yeah, my, whether I've sort of deemed it appropriate to, for, for that particular picture to see the light of day. Um, there, the, You do grapple with it sometimes. One example that I've spoken about before, um, going back to the Hawthorne um, mm. grand final weeks, was when Billy Hartung was told, I think it was the 2015 grand final. He wasn't going to be playing in that grand final. And I remember walking past the locker room at, at Waverley and saw Billy in there in tears on his own. And it would have just made it such a powerful photo. Um, I actually decided at the time, do I take this photo or not? And I decided not to take the photo. Um, and glad I didn't in the end because, you know, it goes back to being that, so having that awareness and being responsible and knowing, knowing your place. So yeah, that's probably an example of where I didn't take a photo. As far as um, whether publishing a photo or not, another example I have is when Jeremy Howe smashed his arm at the start of last season, round one, I think it was. Um, I had the whole sequence. Uh, basically, I had a frame where his arm was sort of, you know, basically sandwiched over itself. Uh, horrible to look at. Um, you know, that was a bit of a no-brainer, not going to publish that. Mm. Just too graphic. Whereas, you know, probably years ago, you know, that that probably would have seen the light of day, I would say. But even, you know, the, the broadcasters now are a lot more yeah. um, choosy with, with what incidents they replay. So, uh, you know, photographers have kind of moved with that as well. So, yeah. So not to labour the point, but just coming back to the Billy Hartung one, like if you're taking that photo, you could easily see that in a gallery somewhere. That could be an award ring shot. That might have well have been the shot of the year. Yeah. And we might still be talking about it. Mm. And then the balance with knowing that, well, that's probably too much. I mean – on one hand, it's your job, and on the other hand, they're human beings, and, and you are too. Like it's it's a, it must be a, an, a constant wrestle for you. It is, yeah. I mean, that particular Billy Hartung shot, like I was shooting for the club itself, so yeah, you know, there was yeah. also that kind of aspect of it, which um, probably made the decision mm. not to shoot it a little easier. But you know, like if I had a shot it and he had heard the camera going off, and it would have made him more upset. And you know, he said something to the staff, and I probably would have been out of there. You know, yeah, that, that's the job done. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, you're listening to this is your journey. Thanks to Tubman Brothers Funeral celebrating lives. There's more to come with Michael Wilson on the other side of this break. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. 
You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. And we've had the company today of the AFL's chief photographer, Michael Wilson. So, Michael, I have to ask the cliche question, the impossible question. Favourite photo or photos? <laughs> Uh, I knew this was coming. <laughs> so I knew you'd wrestle with it. That's a very difficult question. Yeah. Well, a photographer's, for me, you know, the next photo you take is always going to be your best photo. So, <laughs> but look, if we're talking classic AFL action shots, I, I do have a particular favorite. Um, Charlie Kern, I took a mark over Ed Langdon at the MCG in 2018, Carlton v Collingwood. It was very similar to Alex Jeselenko's mark in the 1970 grand final. Jones getting adventurous. Sets it up for Charlie Kerner! It was almost a let go, you beauty! A uh, forward flank, punt yep, right in. Yep. yep. It was quite quite eerie in the fact that it was similar part of the ground, very similar mark. Even Carlton had the white nicks on that day. It was just, um, yeah, it's just a very similar mark. And I got it flush, like got a perfect shot of it. Um, nice, clean, bold, see Charlie's face. Um it was a cla- it's just a classic um, AFL specky uh, picture, and um, and I just love the connection that it has to the past. Like you know, I'm a huge fan of the history of the game, and um, the fact that it was compared to Jeselenko's mark mm. and Carlton v Collingwood, and just got a nice frame of it. I always sort of refer back to that that picture. It's, it always sits really high in my folio just because of the the connection it has to the past, and it, it's just a, a classic. Aussie rules picture. What one had the most cut through, for lack of a better phrase? Was it, I'm drawn to the Taylor Harris one, and I mean, indeed, there was a statue put up, for, and for all the controversy around it, was it that one? Yeah, probably it? that. The Taylor Harris picture, I guess, is is you know as far as uh, you know standing for something and you know making a statement. That's definitely up there. Um, I guess as well, uh, a photo I took of Mitch Clark in 2015. Um, when Chris Scott put his arm around him after a game, um, you know, signified so much and, and sort of the empathy and understanding that football clubs have around mental health now, as opposed to, you know, years ago when a player was, you know, perhaps in tears after a game, they would have been, you know, sort of singled out and, and kind of embarrassed about it. But now it's, it's, you know, there's mechanisms in place with the way that clubs handle these things now. And I think that picture as well sort of, um, communicates so much around mental health in, in the AFL space. Yeah. So we just have the Super Bowl, and there's always an annual debate over whether the grand final should be day or not. So, you know, what's better for the pick the day game or the night game? Oh, look, I think day gives you more, um, I guess an ability to be creative with the light, I guess. Um, I'm a traditionalist. I do like the day match. I think, um, as I touched on before, MCG on a sunny day in that punt road pocket there is, um, is perfect for photographers. So I'm always going to be a day fan. Um, and yeah, secretly hope it doesn't ever go to twilight or not. <laughs> You're certainly not on your own there. So speaking of the grand final, do you, this might sound like a silly question. Do you gravitate to the winning team first? You probably have to, but you're itching to shoot the losing team. Am I right in saying the losing team would generally make the better photo? It's probably more emotion, uh, like, you know, hardcore tears, that kind of stuff um, with the losing team. But, you know, grand final day, we've got, we've got a team of a dozen photographers mm. and everyone's got, you know, a team to follow. You know, we've got like two or three guys following dejection after the game and others on on jubilation. And I'm usually on the winning team. So I haven't had a 
chance to shoot any dejection um, after a grand final recently. So, but I think, yeah, like obviously, you know, there's a whole range of emotions after the siren on, on grand final day, but I think you're right that the losing team, there's that, that raw emotion is more evident in a still image, I think. Yeah. yeah. So being in a, 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 this is sort of coming back to not, you know, tiptoeing the line of what's acceptable and what isn't, but being an AFL photographer and, and working for the league, are you in any way compromised? Now, I mean, are you free to shoot whatever you want to shoot? Obviously, we'd never wish for this to happen, but if the, if there's a riot inside the MCG and there's a couple of thousand fans in the biggest smackdown ever, and it is a big story, and it's going to be on the front page of every newspaper in the country, and it's a negative one for the league, as an employee, would would you be free to shoot that? Yeah, look, I've I've got a obligation as an editorial photographer as well. Like afl.com.au, you know, it doesn't really shy away from mm. from um, controversial stories and as a photographer I'd be the same. Um, you know, you're obligated as an editorial photographer to cover a match and whether that be, you know, um, stuff that happens on the field or off it then um, yeah, you you sort of uh, got a, a duty to to cover it photographically as well. So Never in my time at the AFL have I been told to not shoot anything or, or censor anything. But again, it comes down to a lot of common sense and, mm. and you know, that balance between, um, you know, should, should that be published or not? But, you know, generally, uh, yeah, hand on heart can say I've never been told to not shoot anything or anything along those lines. Yeah. So before we let you go, as a man who sits on the sideline every weekend, multiple times, do you have a favorite team to shoot? What are you most looking forward to this year? What player are you looking forward to shooting? I mean, what, what? What gets you excited? A man who's been doing it for so long, weekend, weekend in, weekend out. Yeah, look, as far as players, like I touched on it before, Shea Bolton for me is um, just electric. Yeah, Something always happens when he's around the ball, whether it's, you know, high mark, just his ability to kind of you know, find space in traffic. Um, looking forward to shooting him this year. Look, to be honest, I'm, you know, I've probably got a soft spot for Collingwood, mm. obviously, but can't wait to see how they, they go about um, defending that premiership. I've got, I think, you know, they're so well placed to, to go back to back, but it's a long season. And, um, yeah, look, there's just so much to look forward to. The Suns looking forward to Gold Coast, seeing some success and, and seeing what Dimmer can do up there. And, um, you know, really keen to see the Giants and the Suns do well up there. And, you know, really kickstart the Northern States opening round. I can't wait for, um, for Queensland and New South Wales to take pride of place with our game and, and really, um, you know, show the rest of the country what, what, um, what a super game we have with AFL. Got a hectic traffic schedule, uh, travel schedule coming up for opening round, I'd imagine. Yeah, I'll be in Sydney for opening round, um, and then yeah, a few weeks later in Adelaide for the week for um, yep. for gather round. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. It'll be fantastic. Michael Wilson, awesome to catch up with you, mate. Thank goodness you do what you do, because if there's one thing as good as witnessing these magical moments in real time, it's then being able to call on them thanks to your excellent work. So not only that, of course, but to also bring us the moments that I. Goes without saying, would probably otherwise go unseen, the Mitch Clark photos and such. So well done on everything you've done and and continue to do. And thanks for sharing your story with us today. Thanks, Sammy. Thanks for having me, mate. You've been listening to This Is Your Journey for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You can jump online, find them at tobinbrothers.com.au. And we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey.